0: Welcome to the 11th Hour. When you have a will to win, and your competitor has a will to win, then what happens to the rest of your so-called values?
1: What should be foundational in your goal setting for you personally, your family, and your work?
0: This episode is the first of a two-part special which features Max Jeganathan from Thinking Fate as he unpacks the question, strategy,
1: culture, or character? which is most important. It's Darren back again. And today I'm excited to have Max Jeganathan from Thinking Faith join me. You might remember the name Max Jeganathan from our online event that we held through Engage Work Faith on how to connect with your culture without losing your message. That was late last year. So I'm so excited that Max has agreed to join us on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Max, for joining me. My pleasure, Darren. So good to be with you. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Um, Why don't you just, as a background, tell us a little bit about Thinking Faith. What are you focused on there and and who's your audience?
0: Yeah, well, Thinking Faith is a a very new, a very small kind of uh, apologetic startup where we're based in Singapore, but we're kind of focused on uh, all of the Asia-Pacific region and with digital engagement, um, that reach can be quite wide. But all we're really trying to do through live speaking events, and primarily through digital and online engagement, is to communicate and explain and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ through the big questions of culture uh, and through the big issues uh, of politics, current affairs, economics, uh, and so forth. So we're just trying to uh, reflect the explanatory power and beauty of the message of Jesus, both for Christians and for non-Christians, just to bring that biblical lens to bear on uh, some of the issues that we're all thinking about all of the time.
1: And that's why I'm excited to have you join us because that's a lot of overlap with us engage work faith, bringing those big questions for us into the workplace. But that carries over to all of life, really, as you've pointed out. Yeah. Um, and you're a speaker with thinking faith. So what does that mean for your role? You've said you're a small team. Is your role wide and varied? Are you uh, doing the accounts as well? What's your role entail at the moment?
0: Yeah, well, we're a little bit of a startup at the moment, so we uh, we all just do a little bit of everything. Uh, but for me, primarily, um, I'm in charge of developing content, so uh, putting together talks, and with uh, uh, my media director and comms director, um, putting together digital content as well. So there's a lot of a lot of filming, a lot of recording, a lot of praying, a lot of reading, and a lot of writing, uh, and all of that with a view to hopefully. Uh, doing some speaking, live events, pre-recorded events, and then some shorter, sharper digital content online that as we get rolling, we hope to put up on our uh, YouTube channel and Instagram and
1: Facebook accounts as well. Great. That's awesome. We'll have to um, link our viewers and listeners to that as well so we know where to find you. Um, Great. I'm actually a bit curious. You've mentioned praying as part of your process, which can get overlooked when you get flat out and busy. Can you share a bit about your process of finding a topic that connects with people and what are the steps you go through to bring that about?
0: Yeah, look, there's there's probably two ways really in which it happens. Uh, One way is when I get invited to speak uh, and there is already a very clear agenda that someone at a a business or a church or a conference or a retreat has already prayed into uh, or is already interested in hearing about. And so in that sense, the topic is just kind of given to me and then I go away and pray about how I might break that down. But otherwise, and probably more often, um, it'll just kind of come to me, I think that, you know, the Lord will will just raise things out of the newspaper, uh, raise things out of things that I'm reading, or things that I'm watching, uh, or discussions that I might be having, or things that just come up in conversations that I'm having with friends and family and, and other networks and supporters. Uh, and they just, there are particular issues that just emerge as issues that are relevant to people today. And that's what I'm really looking for at any given time. What are what are the issues that people are dealing with? Christians, non-Christians, and everything in between. Uh, and so obviously, you know, with the pandemic on, um, there were some pretty clear things that came through for all of us across the world, no matter what we believed in. Um, issues of meaning, issues of purpose, issues of boredom, issues of suffering, issues of stability and uncertainty and navigating volatility uh, and all of those sorts of things. So it's really just trying to get a sense where, when I'm praying and when I'm observing the world around me, just trying to get a sense of what people around you are going through, and then trying to speak into that through the lens of the Christian message.
1: And I think that's why thinking faith is a good name because you've got to keep the brain engaged as you're observing culture. That sounds like that helps you. Right. And I was very um, pleased that when we had a touch base about doing this podcast together, you had a range of topics you'd already talked through on uh, workplace related topics. And one of them I was um, very curious about was strategy, culture or character, which is most important important at work. And I thought that's worth digging into because I don't think we um, pay enough attention to the different categories you've listed there. I did a little bit of digging and I noticed that often businesses especially, organisations start with an excitement and a goal of what they want to achieve. These other things, culture and character often get added later on is is that sort of the premise for your talk
0: yeah yeah very much so Uh, I think that's spot on and I think when you look at you know MBA curricula across the world the great business schools when you look at uh, some of the best leadership theory and management theory around the place and when you just look at how people behave uh, in their businesses and in their workplaces um, strategy is often where people start I mean strategy is a, a term that was as we understand it now in its current lexical range, it, it was really coined back in the sixth century in um, in Roman times and referring primarily to military, military strategy. But what it was really about then and what it's still about now is how do you you know achieve the outcomes you want with the available means that you've got? So it's very uh, mechanical. It's very outcomes focused um, and, and it can become quite procedural. And so it's not a bad thing, of course. Uh, I think Organisations without a strategy are not are not really worth investing in or engaging with, but uh, I do find it interesting and I think often problematic when uh, an organisation or a mission or any kind of entity starts with strategy. And I think that can be problematic, but it is what we see most of the time. You ask people, what do you do? What are your outcomes? Like, what are your markers of success? And it's usually some kind of a statement related to strategy.
1: Yeah, and do you put um, goals as part of the strategy or is that sort of a step implied before that for you?
0: Yeah, I, I, would, I would include goals as a, a subcategory of, of strategy. So goals are kind of the, the outcomes or the sub-outcomes that you're seeking to have your strategy fulfilled,
1: yeah. Okay, good, good. I think you've defined the terms fairly well. So goals and strategies is um, what we want to achieve and, and how we want to achieve it. Corporate values are a, a big topic, I've done some searching and reading and it's a massive topic on how to set them and how to implement them. How would you define um, the character aspect?
0: Yeah, so corporate values, I think, actually go to culture, um, which is interesting. So if I can just explain and unpack this, because this is a really important question and you've kind of nailed it in how you've asked it. Corporate values are are really a statement of culture. What's the culture of the organization? And you determine the culture by what you value. I think that the best definition of culture that I've heard is, and certainly not my definition, um, but it's very helpful. It is shared beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. Uh, Culture just refers to shared beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. And so you see that, I think, in workplaces. You see it in countries as well. You You see it in different cultures and language groups and ethnicities and so forth. Um, but it really just boils down to shared beliefs, attitudes, and behavior. So it's really about what you're thinking, what you're doing, and what you're saying. That's what culture is. And so when organizations and leaders are recruiting and they're trying to build teams, they're looking you know, for this ubiquitously used thing in CVs and interviews today, which is culture fit, right? It's just one of these catch cries. You, we're constantly telling people that are going into interviews when they're being coached. All you have to say is, I really feel a culture fit. <laughs> the culture of the organisation really resonates with me and what I'm about. Um, and, and what they're really talking about is, you know, are the things that you say and think and do matched up with what we as an organisation want to say and think and do, both individually and collectively? Um, and that is important, but it still doesn't take us all the way to character. And I think that's what is important to understand, that distinction. If strategy is about outcomes, culture is about output. It's about what you what you think and say and do. It's about beliefs, beliefs, attitudes, and behaviors. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's really important. And and you know, there's that Pete Drucker line, the, the great leadership and management theorist, um, where he said, you know, any day of the week, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, if you're looking to join an organization, to lead an organization, to invest in an organization, uh, if they've got the culture right, but the strategy might not quite be there, that's fine because culture has to precede strategy. Um, good strategy is important but it can only grow out of a, a solid culture. And so when an organization talks about values um, or culture, that is helpful, I think. It's more important than strategy, but it still doesn't get to that last word you used in your question, which is character, which I think is a different thing. And I think part of the challenge today, um, not just in leadership and management theory, uh, but in theology, in churches, in, in just moral thinking and discourse generally, is that we confuse values for character.
1: Uh, That's what I was going to point out, Max, as I was digging in, there seemed to be um, a mix in the the culture settings, the values of an organisation. So they often have to do with things like integrity and um, the way they uh, treat each other and customers. Mm. Um, but it almost was sort of implying character. And is that what you were saying, that it's sort of been overlooked and it's almost a hopeful aspect that culture will affect character?
0: Yeah. So... It's interesting. They, they talk about values and then they use words like integrity. And for me, integrity is actually not so much a value, it's a virtue. And a lot of understanding the distinction and the relatedness between uh, values and virtues uh, re- rests in actually the difference between culture and character. Uh, culture's primarily about values, but character is primarily about virtues. And we have gotten very much into a values space. Um, which is not in and of itself a bad thing i don't think talking about values is a bad thing it's important to know what we value but the problem with values especially in a post-truth world and more and more of our workplaces are kind of drifting into this space either explicitly or implicitly uh, is that you can define values for yourself so someone can say things like uh, a value or a virtue like integrity uh, and that can mean very different things to different people. Um, loyalty can mean different things to different people. Some some might define loyalty as loyal to the organisation. Some might define it as loyal to your colleagues. Some might define it as loyal to your customers or your clients. And others might define it as loyal to an objective morality, an overarching moral framework that doesn't relate, you know, necessarily to any of those three things. So, uh, I think I think values are obviously important and culture is important. Uh, but unless we're clearly talking about character, unless Workplaces are actively building environments that nurture and and encourage character development in its individuals. Then I think we're kidding ourselves a bit because when you think about any organisation, you know whether it's Nike or Amazon uh, or you know the local deli, um, organisations don't have culture and they don't have character. They can have strategy, but if we're talking about culture and character, it's the individuals in those organisations uh, that have those things. In it's down to the individual. It's people that you know exhibit virtue and values uh, it's not organizations that do we we've created this legal construct of a corporate citizen uh, which is a company but that company is only a person for the purposes of you know entering contracts and um you know engaging in activities for legal and regulatory purposes it's it, it's the people within the company that matter in the end uh, that's right so it's all well and good to say you know my company or my workplace has this culture but really it just boils down to what the individuals in your workplace are thinking and saying and doing and the degree to which they are growing in character and their virtues are being developed and celebrated and nurtured and the people around you are experiencing uh, that fruit for want of a less theological term
1: you've raised a a question for me about values meaning different things to different people you talked about loyalty and who's it loyal to and i notice when i look up some examples there's some um, examples you can find easily aligned for Adobe and American Express and these other big companies and organizations and often there could be a competition between the values um, because uh, in the case of American Express I can see listed um, higher up if it's any sort of value in order of how things are done you've got quality and integrity um, but further down in this seven or eight values is a will to win and, and right. one wonders uh, how do you balance the will to win with integrity? Um, is that what kind of you're hitting on too as well?
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. Spot on. And so, I mean, th- that's quite an upfront and to be honest, refreshingly authentic admission of um, what I think are part of the values of any company or organization, but they will all have in some sense uh, a value or a, a strategic um, priority of success in a, in a profit and loss market driven sense. Uh, we, we've built a society of free markets and I'm a supporter of free markets. I think it's the best way to both generate um, generate wealth and allocate wealth and improve the quality of life of people. But because of that, um, you know, almost any given workplace, at least in the private sector, uh, is very driven by its bottom line on some level. Uh, and so that that value is always going to pop up or that aspect of culture is always going to pop up, the will to win. And then the problem becomes, well, when you have a will to win and your competitor has a will to win, then what happens to the rest of your so-called values um, when you're going head-to-head and there's a deal to be made or there's a, a line to be crossed or there's a backroom deal to be done um, or, or whatever it might be. So that that is the danger, I think, which is why I, I've always, I'm always of the view, um, and this is what really underpins the whole thing about this topic, is that if we focus on uh, personal virtue rather than corporate culture and corporate values, that's a much better starting point. Uh, and so you bring me to, this really important um crossroads if you like where in in the corporate world generally speaking and there are very refreshing exceptions to this but generally speaking strategy comes first and then organizations try to build a culture out of their strategy or build a culture that will achieve their strategy or be most most conducive to it and then we get to character and then they want the kinds of the right kinds of people Uh, to fit into that culture, so as to actualize the strategy. Whereas my view is that if you start with character first, um, on growing people and transforming people and uh, encouraging and nurturing the best in people, from that a corporate culture will naturally emerge. And from that, a strategy is much more likely to take effect and to take flight. So I think we need to flip it. Um, And it's fascinating to me, and no coincidence either, that in my view, uh, the Christian message uh, perfectly aligns with that view. That culture, come, that character comes first. It's about personal virtue first, then about corporate values, and then about strategic outcomes. So, if strategy is about outcomes and culture is about output, character is about—I wanted to think of a better word, but this ugly uh, word that begins with O—ontology. Um, just who we are, who we are actually matters more than what we do and think and say, uh, and then that matters again more than the outcomes that we bring about. But who we are affects those things in serious ways, and um, serious and significant ways. And so incredibly, when you look at the message of Jesus, the Christian message starts with who we are. Uh, every other worldview out there involves and elevates in some way what you think and feel and say and do and achieve. It's all It all starts with that, what you think and feel and say and do and achieve. It's only the Christian message that starts with who you are. That matters more. Than what you think and feel and say and do and achieve those other things necessarily flow from who you are but it's that, that explanatory power and diagnostic insight of the of the christian message i think is extraordinary that it says hey start with you um the fact that yeah, you need... And that's
1: that was the question i had and we'll probably get to that as we go about in the sort of how how do we face these challenges of mm. reordering our priorities um but just just to back up a little bit before we get there um I think you mentioned that this might apply to the family setting as well. I'm, I'm just wondering if you've got examples of how this applies. We've talked a lot about the the corporate world or the organisation level. Does this apply to families as well? I, I think it does. Uh,
0: and maybe I'm just speaking as a Christian here, but I, I think it applies to any collective entity um, that involves more than one person. So anytime we're dealing with uh, organisational behaviour, organisational mission, um, a group of people trying to achieve anything, I think will naturally gravitate to strategy first, and then maybe culture, and then even less frequently thinking about character. But I think with a family, just as with a church, just as with a multinational corporation, um, if you start with character, the character and the personal virtue of the individuals in the entity, then from that, a, a very healthy and vibrant culture will flow. And then from that, the, the outcomes and the strategy or the mission, whatever it might be, uh, that. Is set to be achieved is much more likely to be achieved not just with the right outcomes but in the right way so reaching the right output uh, with the right outcomes with the in the right way i think that's quite significant
1: and i like how you've drawn out that the things need to be tipped on their head things are quite upside down in the christian perspective at times especially in the message of jesus and that's why we called the podcast The Eleventh Hour. It's based on that parable where the workers join at different hours and then strangely Jesus says that the owner of the vineyard gives the payout at the end and it, it's all equal for everyone despite those right. that joined at the very last hour. And that's how things are in the kingdom of God. Right. So I think this is a great topic that ties into, into our themes for this podcast. I'm very glad that you've struck upon that. Um, and before we get to the how of how this is going to flow out and and you know the nitty-gritty of making this work can you paint us a picture what if i was to say imagine a world or more specifically imagine an organization that puts this into place how would you paint that picture for us what does it look like as a comparison between uh, one set of values up one way versus the way you're suggesting what's the compelling picture of what you paint?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, for, I mean, for me, there are there are probably two things that are not an exhaustive answer to your question, but I think they're two very important parts of the answer to your question. Uh, and this applies very much to a church or a company or, like I said, any kind of collective. Um, the first is investment in people. I think that's that's key to make the the individual the the key unit, um, not the corporate division or not the you know profit and loss. Target or not the the sales metrics or whatever it might be, but the individuals. Uh, to what degree are the individuals in your organization uh, supported, loved, valued? To what degree does their d- in intrinsic dignity as a person supersede all of the other objectives of the, of your company and your organization? Um, and I don't think it's an either or. I actually think this is the best way to start to make sure all those other things are taken care of. So investing in people, and I I see this as I'm sure you do. Uh, and many of your listeners would as well, when, when organizations, when churches when families are really invested in their people, where they're just, you know, really looking out for one another. Uh, that's That's the first thing. So investing in people and putting people first as individuals. Uh, and then secondly, I think defining virtues and values by their highest possible quality or their highest possible embodiment. And this is important, especially in a world today when we are told to define things like virtues and values based on our feelings. So you do you, your best self, you know, whatever you think truth means, that's fine. Whatever you think loyalty means, that's fine. Whatever you think integrity means works for you. Uh, that pro- The problem with that is that uh, it just creates um, a little moral universe around each individual and people just turn in on themselves. Uh, and we see that. So that fails pra- philosophically and it fails practically. So... But if we take these virtues and we define them at their most extreme level, which can be scary and it can seem idealistic, and I agree that it is idealistic and it's thoroughly impossible um, in the natural, but then you have an objective reference point of these beautiful aspects of human, you know, potential human behaviour at least, Uh, these ideals um, that just create something that will humble us and also give us something... That we can then work towards and i obviously i don't believe i'm of the view that humankind is incapable of attaining the these virtues in their purest sense in our own strength um something's got to happen to us we need we need help from outside of ourselves and that, that's why i think the christian story is so important but I'll, I'll give you a good example a short story um that is told the true story of when billy graham met president dwight eisenhower um on the way to one of his crusades at the white house and the president said to Billy Graham at the end of the meeting, Billy, I really hope that your crusades go well because it's really important that we all learn to love each other again, right? That's a virtue, it's a value, yeah. you know, something important for organizations, for all of us, for families. And Billy Graham smiled and he said, yes, Mr. President, it would be great if we could all love each other again, but we can only love in the purest sense if our hearts have first been touched by the love of Jesus Christ. Um, hugely hugely controversial and a hugely offensive thing to say that you can especially to you know 21st century society that you could take a word like love and and try and define it however you want and try and live up to it but if you want to understand it in the purest sense and if you want to experience it and be capable of living it out in the purest sense you're going to need help from outside yourself and that help comes through the person of Jesus Christ so uh, I know that's controversial and that can be difficult for people to accept but if, if we're believers in the marketplace, it's our job to take a love that is qualitatively different to the love that is being talked about in uh, corporate culture. On part one of strategy, culture or character, Max Jigganathan from Thinking Faith has shown us the crossroads where we decide if strategy will retain priority our planning for success and the character is most impactful when we see its highest embodiment join us on the next episode of the 11th hour with engage work faith for part two thanks for listening